Hey everyone, this is Chris, the host of the Salvasama Era podcast, and you're listening to part two of a two-part episode that we had to chop up just due to the transfer of the audio. Part of the audio got cut off, so I needed to reintegrate a live video into an MP3 in order to make it a complete um, audio podcast coverage. Of Spectacular Spider-Man uh, issue 149, What About Carrion? So this is the second part to another episode. If you're just tuning into this one, you might want to go back and check the other episode out for Spectacular Spider-Man Annual number 8, which was about the High Evolutionary War and the Gwen Stacy clone. So sit back, enjoy, and relax, and hopefully you enjoy it, and uh, tune in in, a, in another couple weeks as we bring you Spectacular Spider-Man number 150, which will be in its entirety. Thank you, everyone. Okay, so, uh, Spectacular Spider-Man 149, continuing our excellent uh, artistry on the book, uh, was published in April 1989 with editor-in-chief Tom DeFalco and cover artist uh, and penciler inker Sal, uh, written by Jerry and colorist Bob Sharon, letterer Rick Parker, and editor Jim Scalarep. The issue opens up, what about carry-on, with a uh, little bit of taste of the Lobo Brother Wolves hacking the Kingpin's uh, pickup money, and the Arrangers informed that the Lobo Brothers are coming for the Fat Man. Peter, uh, Parker, yes. Peter Parker is in class thinking about the events of the High Evolutionary War, which happened a few months uh, just before the events of Inferno, realizing that if Warren was a simple college professor who went nuts because he wanted to bang his student and cloned her so he could bang her, uh, he couldn't possibly have done that because he's just a college professor. It doesn't make any sense. Little did we know later on, it's all the machinations of Norman Osborn. Uh, <laughs> and he learned he learned the art of cloning through the High Evolutionary, but we don't learn that until much later. That, uh, correct. Yeah. Um, Peter uh, Peter leaves class and runs into a classmate who has a big stick on for Parker, and that becomes a big problem later on, Malcolm McBride, um, who I think they used, by the way, little side note before we get back to the plot synopsis, I think they used a little bit of this for the uh, Morbius character on the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Yes. Yes. Anyway, getting back to this. Uh, replaying over the events of the Clone Saga, which Zach has covered, all the while unbeknownst to him, Malcolm McBride... A uh, college classmate uh, has discovered the carry-on virus, having previously mentioned, and it comes to life infecting him in the eyeballs. MJ is worried Peter is not dealing with the death of the Gwen's clone, and she's like, I'm a living person. I'm right here. By the way, I want to point out that Peter and Cyclops have a lot in common, both MJ and um, uh, Emma Frost had this issue with, like, dead lover and constantly being obsessed with her. When you have... The 10 out of 10 hottie waiting for you in bed. <laughs> it happens, allegedly. Right. Uh, Cat Cushing is back at the Bugle and wishes Gloria would uh, understand what is happening in her life as her new boy toy happens to be a fucking werewolf. Over on the trial of Robbie Robertson, the evidence stacked against Robbie is not looking very good. And we'll get more into that in the next issue. Peter is attacked by Carrion, who does not seem to remember they have fought before back in the spectacular Spider-Man issues that Zack has mentioned. But knows Peter is Spider-Man because he thinks he is the clone of Miles Warren until they fight in the graveyard. And Carrion is shocked to learn he is not the clone of Miles Warren. He is somebody else. And Peter is able to use that to get the upper hand and defeats him and says, I will call 
the vault, I thought it was the raft, uh, to take Carrion away. He says his goodbyes to Gwen and decides to go home to his beautiful wife. The vault was first. The raft yeah. comes later. Right, and uh, Carrion would be uh, seen again with the return of another Spider-Man villain coming up in, uh, I think, after the events of the uh, Cosmic Spidey. Yeah, uh, 162 is, w- is what it does in the, in the original clone trade. So My jumps- first exposure to this was a fleeting memory of seeing this cover, and then when the cl- I was knee-deep in the clone saga around the uh, Clonage Omega crossover event, I was oh. like, wait a minute, wasn't there like a whole clone saga happened prior to this? I'm aware of the issues I don't have access to in the Amazing 149. I think it's funny, by the way, that the Spectacular 149 and the Amazing 149 are both clone issues. Yeah, it is It is very symmetrical in that way. Um, and I went to my local comic book store, and they had the annual number eight and the Spectacular 149, and I gobbled them down. I was so happy that they had these back issues. Because yeah. every and all clone saga back issue up to that up to the colossal you know messed up continuity reveal that Peter was the clone all along um, were incredibly hard to find, but they yeah. had these two issues for dirt cheap prices, and I bought them and gobbled them up because I was so entrenched in me, like, what about all these other things that have happened in Spider Man? How does that make sense? Yeah, Vinkman, the guy, the guy in the comments, actually was the one that sent me this Clone Genesis trade, and they actually published this because of all the confusion. And in there is a, a whole uh, forward by Jerry Conway. Right and now, when Peter, when Peter's in class, by the way, and this woman Anna Marie, this is not Anna Marie, the 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 midget no. that Doctor Octopus would fall in love one day, right? Yeah, that's that's an entirely different person. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't see so. I also I also want to give context for those that don't know. During this period of time, Conway was also writing Web, and so sometimes if you're not reading Web and Spectacular, they'll reference each other back and forth. I do love that the caption box telling everybody to go read the annual is actually wrongly numbered. It says Annual Seven, but it's actually oh, Annual right. Eight. Yeah, um, that always made me chuckle. I'm like, you guys just published this like three months ago, or like four months ago. So yeah, um, it's a, l- listen. First things first. I love Sal Buscema's art. It's just phenomenal. The the slice of life stuff. The way that you can just you don't even need the the, the words on the page, and you can see that Peter's troubled. He's got this troubled look on his face. You can see that Malcolm McBride doesn't like Peter from the scowl he has on his face. The facial expressions that he's able to emote as an artist on the page are incredibly good. Um, I just this this issue is is somewhat for clone fans. It's it's kind of the bane of everybody's existence, and it's the reason that they wrote the unlimited issue of, of Scarlet Spider because bringing in the Gwen Stacy clone, we're like when they brought in the Jackal. That wasn't the original plan. Uh, they brought in the Jackal because the sales were so hot on Power and Responsibility, which will be the last episode of the of the show, uh, as Chris said. No, we're not doing Power and Responsibility. Uh, we're ending it with you, you. Oh, oh that's right, that's right. The, your your uh, Rage of the Desperate Man, I think, is was right. The, it's the Scorpion issue where yeah. he's like, it, it uh, yeah, that, that issue. So, because it came out literally the week before Web of uh, one eighteen. So 
like this this one was kind of Jerry Conway's way of retconning things because he was a little embarrassed by the clone story. And the reason why is because I think he probably looked back on it and went, well, that's ridiculous. But the whole reason he even wrote the Gwen Stacy clone story was because he originally pitched the death of Gwen Stacy or actually, excuse me. He, he he's right. He, he gets the uh, writing job for amazing and he's doing a, a plot back and forth between him and John Romita. And he's like, well, what, what, you know, if we kill somebody off, you know, that's going to shake things up on the title. And so John Romita was the one that sat there and said, well, why don't we kill Gwen? Jerry thought that was a great, great idea. They, they both go to Stan. Stan thinks, oh, that's a great idea. This has never been done before where the love interest has been killed because of something that happens with the hero. This will be a really great story. By the way, what is it with um, um, writers named Jerry wanting to kill off popular characters? Because it was Jerry Ordway's idea to kill off Superman. That was always his idea. Every time they had the writers meeting, uh, that everybody has always said, "Yeah, no, it was Jerry Ordway's idea to kill Superman." Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. That there's a there's a great podcaster named um, Mike Bailey that does like Superman podcasts, and he. Can, I am very familiar with him. I, he has been on the show uh, to talk about the horrors of Superman and the horrors of Batman. <laughs> Yes. So that you incredibly, I think he was like incredibly jealous when I was like, by the way, Mark Carlin came on my show. He's like, how the hell did you get Mike Carlin on your show? He's impossible <laughs> to, to get a hold of. I was like, I don't know. I reached out to DC. I was like, can I have Mike Carlin on? And they're like, for what? This, that, and the other thing. And we'll promote that stupid DVD that you're putting out this month. And they're like, sure. <laughs> See? Mike, you just got to talk to DC Direct, you know? Um, well, apparently I asked Mike, how the hell did I get you on the show afterwards? Because he's like, I can't do any more interviews. And he's like, he's like, I think it was the right time at the right place, Chris. And like constantly my supervisor and my boss are changing or whatever, or the PR person is changing. Oh, yeah. So he nailed the one person who was just like, absolutely. And then everyone else you've talked to is like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, he, and Bailey's, he's always going to be in huge demand next year because you know what next year is? It's the 30th anniversary of the death of Superman. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah. Trust me, yeah. I, I am, I am gleefully like counting the days down when ninety when when we get to 2024, and I'm like, right, right, 30th what? anniversary of the Clone Saga. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so. let, let, let's get back to the issue. So, um, th- this. What what I find really weird is like okay so this secret laboratory beneath ESU where Spider Man had his climactic battle with the mass marauder and carry on from years ago in the seventies probably took place what a couple years ago in Marvel continuity time. It's the, the see time is so wonky because sliding time scale timey wimey things right and and did you pick up the Marvels number one? I, I have not yet. Okay, Leo, did you buy the Marvels number one? Um, for, is it coming out this week? No, it came out two weeks ago. No. Okay. Marvels, the Marvels is written by Kurt Busiak, and it's kind of like a Marvel team-up story uh, where every issue they're going to have like different characters teaming up to do something and introducing new characters. Um, and in it, they do two flashbacks, one of which uh, says that like Reed and Ben were in the army back during the Asian War of some made-up country because they can't use the Vietnam War anymore like they did before. Yeah. Um, 
17 years ago when that book was published, which was like a couple weeks ago. So that means Ben and Reed were normal people 17 years ago. Yep. Okay. Means that means, it means the Marvel Universe happened after 9-11 for those right. that are keeping score yeah. at home. Uh, Flash Thompson is in the Army 12 years ago. <laughs> because Daredevil is at a USO show at this never-ending Asian war. I'm using quotations. You can't see me. Um, that they made up because if you read the official uh, history of the Marvel Universe told by Galactus and Franklin Richards, they can't keep using the Vietnam War anymore. So <laughs> Punisher yeah. is the vet of some Asian war of some kind by Shukai or something. It's some made <laughs> up country, I think. Um, oh my goodness. Anyway, so Flash is in the USO show watching the Daredevil thing, and he's like, he's no Spider Man, you know, because he's the hardcore Spider Man fan. Right, right. So that means Spider-Man appeared like 13 years ago, and the Fantastic Four had to have been on the scene at least a year or two before Spider-Man did. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's always been like said that like the Fantastic Four were around at least a year before Spider-Man showed up, which is in continuity somewhat, you know. Um, yeah, because like like the first like 10 and years the most recent by the way the most recent issues of fantastic four dan slot has said the fantastic four have been around for 15 years yeah so like the first few years of marvel continuity were like took place in literal months like right. and then uh, starting in the 80s the sliding time scale started to like happen and mark winwald was in charge of like making sure everything fit um so the, what's really funny is that we're, you're reading these issues and you're covering these issues like with the Robbie Robinson trial and Tombstone. And it's incredibly relevant because if you're reading Amazing Spider-Man right now, literally the storyline that's going on in Amazing Spider-Man has Tombstone's daughter and Robbie's son dating. Yeah, and, so we brought that up multiple times. Um, and it's going to be even funnier when we get to – um, well, it, it, I mean, it just happened in, in King and Black, but the Captain Universe uh, power showed up in King and Black to embody Eddie Brock. Yeah. And in about nine months, or sorry, nine episodes of this podcast, roughly, we will get to the Spider-Man Captain Universe storyline. Oh, dude, that's such a good story. I have and that. the fact that they've retconned that, okay, so there's two ancient gods, Null and Captain Universe. And they're like the light and the dark. And this is all, you know, Donny Case is writing until the next person comes around to write Venom. And he's just like, you know what Venom's going to do? Venom's going to become a cannibal now. And he's going to like gouge out people's brains and eat them. We're going to finally do that. Listen. Instead of being a hero, Venom's going to be a villain again. And I'm going to be like, thank you. <laughs> uh, Chris, just to butt in here for a second, we have six minutes. Okay, oh, so God. getting through the issue real quick, we are a bit of a time with this. I think the fight between Carrion and Spider-Man is fantastic with the way Sal draws it, the wishing lines and everything. Sal was a really good expert at the wishing line stuff. Yeah, he. The, there's just a dynam dynamic element to his his artwork. Some of that I think is the Ramita influence. A lot. Some of that is also his brother's influence. Right. Um, definitely. Definitely. Um, so yeah, nobody nobody uh, draws a, a man getting smacked across the room better than Salvi Sema. The other thing I want to point out is on the gravestone, and this is on the website, the MarvelFandom.com. They say that Miles Warren was 48 years old when he died at the hands of Spider-Man. 
I guess I believe that. I mean, the fact that he's like, you know, ogling an 18 year old girl in class does make, you know, make for that, like the age difference to be that, that, like that weirdness of it all. Oh yeah. He, you know, when you first see him like in the, in the, uh, in the Ramita run, cause he started appearing more and more once Ramita became the artist. Right. Um, cause he doesn't show up until 39. Like it, he he escorts them on their first date, and he looks like a leave it to Beaver dad with a stash. Right, like he, he looks very much like the fifties, and then you get to the seventies, and he's looking more and more like you know a seventies professor. But yeah, no, this I, I will I do want to address the carrion aspect because he this this does get solved because the carrion thing kind of was lingering out there. There was a one-shot that was written by Roger Stern after the Clone Saga was published called Dead Man's Hand. And there was a third carrion. So Malcolm McBride's the second carrion, then you had the original carrion. It confirms that the original carrion was, in fact, a clone. Um, So it retcons this issue's uh, things. The diary that Peter ends up obtaining in this issue actually is... Was Herbert Herbert Landon... uh, Herbert I Evolutionary altering the journals of Miles Warren to uh, uh, to wipe out his uh his him working with Miles Warren. Right. Uh, and so, uh, by the way, just for anyone's listening, uh if you're not if you're wondering where the Gwen clone went after the original the 90s clone saga, she popped back up in the uh Spider Island storyline and was swiftly killed off by the uh Spider Queen character, uh old Captain America villain from World War II. And also, um, that's when the, we first got the appearance of. This is also the establishment of a carrion, carrion being a carrion virus, which is a plot point in the Clone Saga. Um, but yes, uh, she was she was killed during that between between the her the Queen and uh, the never before seen carrion Gwen clone hybrid that showed up. Right. It was the deadly foes of Spider-Man one-shot during Spider-Island. That and I it gets more confusing with Spider-Island because another uh, – that Miles Warren returns after he was killed in Spider-Clonage uh, Omega, whatever it was called. The clone Omega storyline, the Maximum Clonage, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, and we hadn't ever saw him again until Spider-Island, and we're like, what the hell? Well, he ran- right. He randomly appeared in like a three-issue mini of Spider-Man the Punisher – like there's a Spider-Man Punisher three issue mini, but other than that, that was his only appearance. And then he gets so, and allegedly, according to Dan Slott's Twitter, that was actually Ben Riley as the Jackal. Which don't get me started because I oh, will rage right. for another no, hour. No, no, we're not going to go down that path of, of what happened to Ben Riley eventually. In the in, in, this fight with Carry On, I thought was amazing. And again, this is the testament of why I like the spectacular book so much. Just because Carry On looks like such a horrific character, and when yeah. we see him return, he's going to team up with another horrific character, and then later on another group of horrific characters, which we will get to eventually, which I think was just covered recently on the web of uh, Spider-Man. Uh, what's the main Spider-Man show on the network you do? Uh, well, we do the Splash. Oh, uh, Zach. Oh, 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 oh um, I think they covered it on Crawl Space, but I'm not. On, yes, on, they covered on, uh, Maximum Carnage. Yeah, I haven't I haven't been on Crawl Space since, since May last year. But yeah, uh, uh, I, I left to go do my own thing. Gotcha. But, uh, but yeah, no, J.R. J.R. Fettinger used to have a website called Spidey Kicks Butt. Um, you can find all his articles on the Crawl Space. Crawl Space is a great Spider-Man site. 
them and Spider Fan, I think, between those two, cover pretty much anything and everything you could possibly want to know about Spidey in the comics. And then the next issue is uh, a Burgess reach for Robbie Robinson. Be here for Guilty, which, honestly, when we get to the Robbie Tombstone trial in the next issue, and then Robbie in jail... It, it, and Tombstone and Robbie's escape or whatever, with what's happening currently right now in Spider-Man, it's like, what was the point of all this? Because years later, they're like, they're both fine. Robbie's running the bugle. Tombstone's still free, not in jail for the rest of his life, or, you know, not in the electric chair. It's yep. because New York has the death penalty. Um, it's like, what? what is the point of all this if you're not going to keep the freaking character in prison or whatever? <laughs> Tombstone's not that interesting of a character that you could have left him in prison up till now. <laughs> Listen, my favorite iteration of Tombstone, truthfully, is the Spectacular Spider-Man podcast or Spider-Man show, uh, where they basically made him the kingpin. Right, um, where he's voiced by um, uh, Ken Forey. No, he's voiced. Yeah, no, who is he voiced by? Oh, the guy that voiced Gar- uh, Goliath. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, god damn it! The actor who played Spawn. Yes, I, I, I see him in my brain, and I we're about to do a Gargoyles podcast on our network. So. Oh my god! Yeah, so I know who you're talking about. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Everyone, that's the two issues of the Clone Saga we're ever going to cover for now uh, on this podcast. You can bring uh, me on for other stuff. I, right, I, I, I'm down. Next, uh, well, well, we'll have to have you back on for the um, the the Cosmic Spider-Man storyline. Will be broken up a lot because there's so many parts to it. Yeah, I don't blame you. So there will be two issues. It will be, you know, plot synopsis and then going into it page by page, but it'll be very detailed, but it'll be, you know, heavily broken up. Uh, there's no show next week, people, but in two weeks we'll be back for the 150th issue, the trial of Joe Robertson um, and Tombstone and Guilty and, and everything that happens in that. Um, but next week on the Dorothy Network, uh, the, uh, sorry, Splash Pages, we have uh, Mark Grunewald's Widow, coming on the show to talk about uh, John Walker and, and Mark Runewald's history of uh, being a writer for Marvel. Uh, I applaud you for getting that interview. Mark Grunewald is such a profound influence of 80s and 90s Marvel. And oh, she's I, so sweet. She's yeah. such a nice person. I mean, Kat, uh, I really, I've really gotten to know Catherine, and she's helping me on a project that has – I'm keeping very on the down low, but I think I've talked to you about in private chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I like no, I say, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see that. And I, you know, to me, Grinwald is one of a lot of the influences you're seeing in the MCU. Grinwald had a hand in, right? And Mark Carlin too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, Mike Mark Carlin. Carlin and Mike Carlin was uh, Gru- Grinwald was Mike Carlin's boss, by the way, at Marvel. Yes, yes, yeah. Grinwald. Yeah. So. Uh, sorry to cut us, but um, if I don't start the other show, I'm going to lose the link. Uh, okay. so, oh. yep, yep. Uh, so, Zach, where do you like people interacting with you on social media? Okay, so you can find me, uh, if you're watching the, this live, you see at Spidey Dude Radio, that's my Twitter handle. At Spidey Dude Network is my Facebook page uh, for Spidey-Dude.com. All you, can find, you can find all of our shows on Spidey-Dude, uh, and you can find all our streams. We have our YouTube page for our, uh, our podcast network. I have two podcasts that I do every month right now. Uh, we got Make Mine Mayday, which is our Spider-Girl podcast. And then we have Spider-Dude Experience, where I'm covering every issue, every new issue of Amazing Spider-Man as they come out. So I'm covering the uh, – so I'll actually be going live tomorrow. 
for my show covering that. So if you want to like and subscribe, find us on on YouTube there. We're not quite to the 100 yet, so on the on the YouTube list, we're still a young YouTube page. But like I say, uh, you can also – if you want to hear more of me talking about clones and stuff like this, you can find uh, at Clone Saga Chronicles podcast. That is available on all your favorite podcasting catchers. So, uh, okay. yeah, those and are the three. Awesome, and we got your links in the show notes. Uh, real quick, Chris, uh, what about you? Uh, you can find me over on Radio Horror, uh, and Goth Girl Horror has a new episode out later this week. And we, uh, that is the hack slash podcast I do with Charcy. And you can also, if you wish to, go over to Vlada, a Dracula Tale, and uh, support the upcoming audiobook Kickstarter, which launches next uh, Thursday, May 13th. Audiobook Kickstarter for Vlada, a Dracula Tale. Bye. Thanks, Leo. Thank you. Bye, Zach. I'll talk to you on Facebook.